Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. Hi, Steve, and thank you for the introduction. We have a very, very special person here with us today that's going to be sharing uh, her story and her happily ever after. And uh, a dear friend of, of mine, um, what I hear from so many women who are going through the divorce process is their hope for meeting another woman who has been through this and has been through the trenches and come out on the other side to have a happily ever after. Um, and at the same time, be able to share the things they did really well, maybe the things that they learned along the way. Um, for most people, they're not career divorce per people, meaning that often, um, you know, this is the first time they've ever been through such an experience. And so today we have uh, Kathy Elman. Uh, Kathy is here and she's now married to her best friend. And she has three beautiful, very active boys, <laughs> very active. And uh, she went through divorce. Now she went through divorce um, in 2000. And it was a process that took five years. Um, and she was married for 10 years. Uh, after her divorce, Kathy shared that her biggest financial worry was making sure that she would actually be able to support her kids, that she would be able to give them the life that, that she wanted to give them. Um, the first thing that she cut out after divorce was Starbucks. And I understand how hard that is because I am a Starbucks fan, but it saved you to the tune of $1,300 a year, just exactly. again by cutting out Starbucks. Um, Kathy now is an account manager at Bayard Promotions. She works with a lot of nonprofits, event planners, schools, universities, helping them and providing swag and promotional tools, which is fantastic. And I know we use quite a few of them. Um, fundraising and giving back is also a really big part of uh, Kathy's life, and she's actually on the board of Angel Compass, which raises funds for children's causes. Um, she feels that it's extremely important to give back and also has been instilling the importance of giving back and charity in her boys. So without further ado, I would love to just introduce one of my dear friends, uh, Kathy. Thank you. Thank you, Stacy. That was a lovely introduction. I'm so happy to be here and looking forward to helping you with your quest. Well, thank you for being here because I, I know it, um, it takes a lot and, and you're really brave mm -hmm. to, to share your story. But know that there are so many women that, that this will help. And I know that you're so committed to helping others. Um, and you. you have such an amazing story, too. Um, I really appreciate you sharing that. Thank so. you. Um, so as far as from your past, um, 
I recall you mentioning that you met your husband when you were just 11. 11 years old, yes. Um, We were in junior high. We met, we were in the same group of friends, but we didn't start dating till we were 17. Still young though. Yes. I know, I know that that's a few years beyond, but still. So you started dating at 17. Mm -hmm. Um, You got married at 26. 26, yes. Wow. Um, So tell me about how, how is it? to divorce someone who essentially you've spent your your entire life with. It was very difficult. Um, It was the only thing I knew to begin with. Um, We were together for so long, it was actually a total of 20 years that we were dating and married. And then we just grew apart. We had different interests. I had the baby and it just, you know, he wanted different things out of life and so did I. And the biggest thing was trying to figure out how to make the move and you were scared because you had a baby and you kind of thought you loved each other but I think at that point it was more of a comfort zone that you don't want to start over but we did the counseling we did all the stuff we needed to do and it just didn't work so we decided to part which ended up being the best for my child I didn't want to stay together just because you know, I had a child and it was a happy environment. So we did that and I was, it it took a while to get back on my feet. You know, um, I had a newborn. I had a thought of like, you know, how am I gonna meet anyone? Where do I start? I've been with the same person since I was 17 years old and at that point I was 33. So I never did the whole dating scene, bar scene, partying. Um, So it was a big adjustment. And, and you have a newborn. And I had a newborn, yes. Wow. Yeah. How long did it take you to finally have the courage to, to separate? It, it sounds like you had been thinking about it for so some time. It was, we were going back and forth for the first year and a half, I would say. And then when my son was 18 months, we decided, you know what, this isn't going to work. You know, he moved out. We did that, you know, we did everything we needed to do, but it got to the point where it just, we were more like brother and sister. It wasn't that marriage loving, you know, partnership anymore. So at 18 months, when my son was 18 months, we separated and then we didn't get divorced for like five years mm-hmm. because it kind of was more convenient for me because I had my medical benefits. I was, you know, getting the money I needed every month. So until we got to that next step emotionally, we did that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And how how was your relationship with him? Because I, you know, he he's the dad of yeah of your son. Um, how how did you manage that? It wasn't so great in the beginning because we broke up for reasons that were very hurtful. Um, but I always wanted to try to make it pleasant because I didn't want my son to be in a negative, you know, anger environment. So it was okay, but it was very superficial. And then as the years went on, it got better. And now we're fine. You know, it's a great relationship. We take care of my son. He moved He moved to California, but he moved back when my son was eight. We started every other weekend. And I think my son's very well adjusted. He's got four parents who love him very much. And it, it's definitely a lot better than I thought it was going to be. So now you have had a happily ever after, yes. which is great. And... Um, I, I just so 
I'm so appreciative that you are also able to share that you can find love again after. Yes. Yes. So I did the typical match.com and everything that everyone does, which was okay. And, um, when my son was about two and a half, I reconnected with a really good friend of mine that we actually all grew up together, me, my ex-husband, and him. And within six months, it kind of just all fell together, you know, and we started dating and my son knew of him. So that was great. It wasn't any like body who he felt like, you know, that would hurt him or a relationship. And it just all fell into place and it was wonderful. And we get along really well. And I learned a lot from my first marriage, how to improve in the future. And so that helps my relationship too. communication. I was one to like figure, oh, you know, keep everything in. But now I communicate everything. That's great. And how long (laughs) have you guys been together now? um, 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So it's great. And we have two more boys. So tell me about communication because, boy, um, that is one of the hardest pieces uh, to to talk about in a relationship. How have you brought those lessons to your marriage that you have now? So in my past marriage, again, I was younger. I was more of a person who kept things in. And my husband at the time was more vocal. So I always felt like, you know, if we're going to talk about things, he's just going to be so much more powerful and stronger that I, not that you want to win, but you're not going to get your point across. So you sent, you sent, end up like just picking and choosing your conversations. So after we separated, I went for counseling to try to just get myself together and see what I wanted out of life. And, you know, they basically taught me that you need to speak your piece. And Mm -hmm. if the person isn't going to like it, they're not going to leave. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world. You may fight, but if you keep things in, it just builds more and more resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, my husband now is a big communicator. And you could sit, you could talk. He doesn't, you know, some men walk away, some men yell. He will talk until the problem is solved, which makes it easier than for me to present things when I need them. And it makes, I mean, that's 80% of a relationship, I think, communication. Yeah, yeah. How do you suggest um, people talk about money? Because I know, myself included, it's easier to talk about sex, in-laws. We can do, we can talk about that till the cows come home. Mm -hmm. But, But money is a tough one. And it can be one of the primary reasons why there are fissures in a marriage and end up, you know, ended up breaking up. Um, Have you been able to talk more openly? Yes. About money and, you know, be able to both feel heard, um, Mm -hmm. but also be able to to listen? Yes. Um, The difference in like, would say my two relationships, present and past, I was, I like to enjoy life and spend, but I was raised that you always have to save. Whereas my past relationship, it was just always spending. And so I always saved no matter what. So when things happened, we always had something to fall back on. Um, My husband now is on the same page. We enjoy life, but you always have to put something aside and, you know, not go overboard. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no reason like, you know, my boys who wants the $300 sneakers, like it's not going to happen. 
You know, you're growing, you get sneakers that are nice, that are still cool, but when they don't fit you in a month, you don't feel sick that you spent all this money. So we do well because we're on the same page, I say, with um, as far as the money goes. And yeah. Have you always been a saver? Um, Like back when you were young? I always saved. So what is your first memory of money? Because I I wonder if that had some type of influence. Um, Well, my mother always took care of everything in the house, you know, and she always, from day one, we all had savings accounts. We all had to, you know, either babysit. We always had to make, they always provided everything for us, but we always had, we always made our own money in a way and we got to save that and when you had we had these coffee cans in our room that you would put all your money in and it just was very rewarding and you felt like there was a purpose that you don't always have to ask for money mm-hmm. um so i always i always like to know that i had something on the side yep. like i never liked it that there was no extra so i yeah. think that's why you know and like i said my parents in some of my friends' houses, it was always a situation if something came up. But in our house, there was never that like, oh, my God, we need $500 more. Where are we going to get it? There was always the savings because my mother always made sure we had something to fall back on. That is really powerful. Yeah. And, and I think that's why I am, you know, the way I am yeah. with spending. And also what's interesting is I heard from you, too, in talking about, you know, they, they provided everything mm-hmm. you really needed, but it was really nice to have your own money and that it was really satisfying and rewarding. Um, did that give you kind of a little bit more feeling of independence or self-confidence or? Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Cause we didn't, I mean, of course we couldn't buy everything, but if you wanted something or you wanted to go to dinner or something with your friends, you had that cash, you know, granted it was a lot different. Like, you know, going for pizza with your friends in the seventies was $2. You needed <laughs> so different, <laughs> um, but you still, you had your own spending money. Yeah. So, you know, it, everything's relative. So it's, it was nice to know and everyone baby, sat then you know so yeah. you know it was easy to make money you didn't have to be of age mm-hmm. or anything so that helped too and it sounds like you've played a pretty active role uh, in household finances yes is that true in your previous marriage or yes. so you've yeah. always and how has that helped you how has that helped you? Well, I like the fact that, like, I have friends who go through divorce and have no clue of what the car insurance is, what they're lo- like, nothing. Um, and in both relationships, I knew everything. Like, I couldn't be the type that didn't know what the monthly bills were or what our payments were. Um, I don't know if it's controlling or nosy or what, but I just needed to know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like, I, and, and my husband and I, we always communicate too. Like if something's coming up or what, you know, taxes, whatever it is, nothing is a surprise. So like if we're talking about something and we know something big is coming up, we stop spending, you know, it's like, okay, you know what? We got to like cut down on spending for the next month or two because, you know, taxes coming. Yeah, we have X, Y, Z coming. Right, exactly. So um, I think that helps a lot too, you yeah. know. And it's hard communicating over money because it's stressful. It know? is stressful. It is stressful because we're all to have different ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, so your friends that you mentioned that you know go through the divorce process that have have no clue. Right. I'm sure they didn't set out. No. From the beginning to right. 
you know, completely take a back seat in the finances. What what would you say to a woman who is currently married or, um, you know, is going through the divorce process that that hasn't had that experience? Um, because I know that it can be really overwhelming. Mm-hmm really overwhelming. Yeah. I just feel like, you know, you have to be a part. You can't just be the person who does the spending or goes on the vacations. Like you need to just know what's going on to a point. I mean, you don't want to be like on top of your husband's back or you you know, whoever's working at the time. But I think it's just important to know what your monthly bills are. Like yep. and say, okay, you know what? At least if our monthly bills are XYZ, we should have 2 months in the saving at all time. Yep. You know, or just not, I don't like to me, it's so foreign when people say they don't know what yeah. certain bills are, because, but that again could be in a household that the father did all the billing growing up, you know, like, yeah. and so that's the way it is now. And they don't, it's like, ask not, I don't care. But um, it wasn't like that for me growing up. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, it's just instilled in me. And that's what I followed. Now, do you also know where your money is? Yes. Yes. We know everything, where everything is. I know how to access everything. We have all our accounts, our yep. you know, mortgage, like everything we have is all together. Um, I actually know more than my husband. Like he always says, if something happens to me, like I don't have everything written down, like for the car insurance, all that stuff, which I always say I'm going mm-hmm. to so mm-hmm. because I take care of all that. Yeah, he'll find it on our, you know, banking, but it's just all on, you know, the files that I pay. Well, I think what's really powerful is that you're at you're you're really part of the financial web Mm -hmm. of your family, meaning that you're able to understand and doing all the day to day understanding of the investment or of the uh, the bills and the expenses and, and all mm-hmm. that, even the insurance and right. things like that. But you also even a step beyond that, know where the money is. So yes. understand what's in retirement, what's not in retirement, what's in the savings account. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see women coming to the divorce process not actually knowing yes. where their money is and, and how much money they, they even Definitely. have as a as a couple. Yeah. A lot of my friends don't know. Like I know what stocks we're in. I you know, we discuss all that stuff, you know. And I was in private banking for a while, so I understand some of the things that, you know, he's doing. But um a lot of my friends had no clue. Yeah. what was going on and that's when it's scary you know everyone the older generation was always like put some money aside you know yeah. put it in an envelope hide some cash but today that couple of thousand that maybe you used to hide a few years ago it's not going to do anything for you yeah you know and yeah. you have to make sure your names are on everything mm-hmm. because that's the other issue you know like a lot of people you know if, if the husband is doing the stuff his name might just be on it and then when it gets to a point like this then you're in trouble. You don't have access to it because the bank's not going to talk to you. His name is on the account. Right. Exactly. And then, you know, what do you have access to, right? To get through and, and maybe even find a retainer to pay a lawyer or, or or God forbid, even your rent, Mm -hmm. um, things like that. Well, that's it. Yeah. And you know, there's certain things like that we have that, you know, or from before that maybe it's in my husband's name, but then we called and I'm an authorized 
person on it, you know, mm-hmm. so there's ways, no ways around it. Yeah. Like when he got the mortgage, I wasn't working. So that may have been in his, but I was always able to call and figure things out because I'm on it, but not like, in, yeah. you know, th- there's ways to work it that you could know what's going on. Yeah. You should know what's going on. So in your previous marriage, were there any financial tipping points um, for you? Because it, it, it's sounding like you had the two of you had two very different money personalities. Yes, him mm-hmm. more of a spender, mm-hmm. and you more of a saver, and essentially having to bail the family out um, in in those uh, of having to dip into savings. Those that yeah. that little savings, kind of that little nest egg that you tried to have mm-hmm. to the side. Right. Well. Um, we both worked, of mm-hmm. course, you know, he always made m- more money. So, um, the spending was a little bit stronger, but, um, there were times where, you know, we had to stop doing every, like every relationship has ups and downs. Yeah. And, um, a friend of mine who's getting divorced now is like, oh, you know, it's not working cause we can't do anything. We can't go anywhere. We have no money. And I'm like, but when I had that with my first marriage in the beginning, you know, like maybe after yeah, five years, yeah. whatever, we were on like a low financially, you could still do things, mm-hmm. but you, have you to get creative. Things that, right. Like go to the park with sandwiches, go to the beach. Like you don't have to go to a hundred dollar dinners, you know, it could be something simple and fun. And, and that's what we would do. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of have to go in, in, you know, whatever is going on in your life, you have to work your way around it. Yeah. You know, and not, especially with the kids like you don't want your kids to judge people like who has money or who has this who has that you know oh this one has a beach house yeah and you know you're going ski like everyone has different things and it's hard especially in New York City yeah to keep your kids in a level where they should be I agree I agree because when you are in a situation where you can potentially afford the $300 sneakers, but mm-hmm. that's just not part of the value right. that you have, the the fabric of, of right. who your family is. Um, how do you say no? I mean, that, that I think, I just, I I think just that's really that. hard to do because almost, I, I know growing up, my parents said we can't afford that. And you know what? Actually, they were right. Right. Um, but sometimes we, don't, we, we can't say that. That's actually kind of a lie. Right. So how do, how do you, how have you given your, your boys that understanding about the value of money. And and I know you also are so terribly committed how important it is to give back. Well, what I do, which like I said, the perfect examples of this whole sneaker thing that's going on. Um, and one of my kids said, well, you have so many boots. And I'm like, yes, I have a lot of boots. I'm 53 years old I work and my foot's not growing you know <laughs> so I'm like yeah and he's yeah like, well, what if I use my Christmas money and I'm like no because you still don't warrant having like you don't need sneakers on your feet but like I just feel like if you do all this stuff at such a young age what do you have to look forward to and what are your expectations yeah. going to be and I'm like are you going to be the kid that they hang upside down on the subway to take your sneakers you know like I just feel like it's just you ha- there's so many different things about a young kid having something so expensive that Mm -hmm. it just you know like I'll take them on vacations they go skiing all the time they're in every sport imaginable so money is spent in certain ways 
but I feel the materialistic stuff that it's just, yeah. and I deal with it, you know, it might be different if I had girls, mm-hmm. you know, cause girls want more, um, the boys, it's the sneakers, but with the girls, you know, the, the shoes yeah. and the clothes and the purses. So uh, that might've been a whole different yeah. scenario. But what I'm also hearing from you and, and I think it's absolutely such a healthy, healthy, healthy outlook is that money is a tool, yes, to buy things, mm-hmm. things that you need, but really where money can have a lot of value is is experiences. Yes. And it, it sounds like you don't hold back on taking the kids skiing or no. if you want to do soccer, you could do soccer or baseball mm-hmm. or whatever, um, that you've really been able to do that with your life and find that nice balance. Yes, that we figure out. It's great. But, uh, yeah, we never, you know, we never deprive them of anything physical or going places. Um, but, yes, the materialistic stuff is, you know, we take them to restaurants, you know, yeah. we go sightseeing, we do whatever we need to do. We figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. So we have about five minutes left, okay. and I wanted to ask you something. Mm-hmm. Um this is a question I think that is really helpful and we, we try and ask this of any anyone that, that comes on that has really had the experiences you have. Mm-hmm. If you had only known this thing, might you have done something different in your divorce? What in are your thoughts? Divorce, um, I would say the biggest thing that I would have done differently is planned more financially. Uh, when I got divorced, I was one of the first of my friends to get divorced. And I didn't have anyone to talk to about. So again, my son was very young. I didn't think of the college. I didn't think of cars. I didn't think of traveling abroad. I, You know, you're thinking of just a little kid. So you're like, oh, you're yeah, gonna pay half of soccer, right? Diapers. Or, yeah, you're gonna get clothes, like those types of things. But I didn't think far down and I maybe because I assumed he would always just pay you know but you just you don't know and everyone moves on with their lives and everyone gets remarried and everyone has more kids so then it's really hard once everyone has more responsibilities to say hey what about this this and this mm-hmm. so I would recommend like putting more in writing yeah for the future yep you know because and kids especially when your children are young. Yeah, when right? they're young. When right. you, when I mean, little, even orth- orthodontia, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, and what would you recommend? Would would the best way of, to be talked to a friend who has older children? Just yeah. to say, hey, like, what does it cost? What's right. summer camp like? Well, that's You it, know, exactly. things like that. Yeah. And, you know, the boilerplate divorce agreement, it doesn't include all this. No. You know, it'll say, you know, after school sports, but to be agreed upon. So if your child wants to do one thing and you want them to do it, but then, you know, your, sp- your spouse doesn't want them, they don't have to pay half. No. You know? No, and you, it has to come out of and, your pocket. And you have to come, yeah, because you're not going to say no to your child. So, um... I think it's it's really difficult to try to catch everything that you would miss, but I think the important thing is more thinking future of an yeah. older, if you're getting divorced and your kids are like five and under or so, to think really what's going to happen, what do I need money for in the future? Yeah. And we'll and, be split. Them. And I also sh- appreciate that you shared that 
you never think that he's not going to be there to pay. This is his right. yeah, his child, his yeah. right? This yeah. is his you know flesh and blood. Yeah. But that people go on, they get married, they have right. other responsibilities, yeah. and, and you never know. So yeah. you know, fortunately, things have always worked. I mean, we've had our ups and downs, but I think in addition, because there's so much history between us, because we've known each other so long, that we've been able to work it out. And mm-hmm. um, my son is happy you know he doesn't get nervous if we have to all be in the same room or if we have to attend events together that's amazing and that's the important thing like you can't use your kids as a tool a lot of people do that and you can't do that yeah. you have to put a face on and make your kids think that everything is wonderful and you know you can all be at peace because otherwise it really affects them yeah yeah I see that well I cannot thank you enough for sharing your story. And I, I have to say the words that come to my mind, even though I know that you shared, there would have been other things that you wish you had known mm-hmm. or, or things like that. But the words that are coming into my my mind about this is, is a divorce done right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A divorce it's done right that you've, you've made a lot of sacrifices. Mm-hmm to make it okay for your kids right and that's what you have to do yeah and and moved on educated yourself been financially savvy Mm -hmm. um you know worked in a career and and made a a life for the fact that you can find love again oh yeah and that there are you know knock on wood i'm knocking on wood Mm -hmm. um that there are good guys out there. Oh, there's a lot of good guys. And you have to think of what you want. And, you know, one more thing I want to say is the best thing I could have done, which was by accident, is to be by myself for two years before I started dating. Mm -hmm. Because then you realize you're okay by yourself, you're okay with your child, and you're not going to settle for anyone. You know, you're going to pick and choose what you want out of life because you're fine by, you know, once you're comfortable being alone, then you can find happiness the real way, not just grabbing anyone because you're afraid to be by yourself. That is the most uh, wise advice I think you could give anyone, anyone and loving yourself. And you are really one of the most wonderful people I've ever met and just have the kindest, most wonderful heart. Um, So he is a very lucky man and so are your boys. So thank you for being with us, Kathy. I so appreciate that. Reminds me of the Mary Tyler Moore show. We're going to make it after all, right? (laughs) (laughs) And that is great advice uh, to to take some time away. So many people don't do that. They rush back into a relationship. So I applaud you for that as well. Thank you. And Stacy, let's talk to our listeners about Francis Financial and all the great things you do. Boy, I'm so blessed. I absolutely adore my job. Um, We are specialists working with women who find themselves on their own. Um, And it could be because they uh, are going through a divorce or unfortunately their, their spouse has passed away. And they are now in a place where they have to make some really, really important decisions about their financial future and want a team player a team player that can help them look at everything, uh, think of questions to ask that maybe they'd even know that they were supposed to ask, um, and, and be there for every step along the way to make sure that they're going to be financially secure for, for them and 
for their children. Um, so it's uh, the best work in the world. It's so fulfilling and challenging and rewarding, um, you know, all at the same time. Great. And how do listeners reach out to you? Lots of ways to reach out. We always have an open door policy. Um, you can go to our website, www.francisfinancial.com. You can email me, Stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com, or give us a call. We'd love to chat on the phone, 212-374-9008. And when you go on our website, if you are interested, we do offer a free second opinion of your investment portfolio. Um, but then also of your entire financial life. That's a, a service that has been really, really, really popular. And I think also very helpful for women uh, to, to get a better idea of, of where they're standing, where they are right now. Sure. And it is a great website. I recommend our listeners check that out. The show is Financially Ever After with Stacy Francis. Thank you, ladies, so much. Great show. 